So we did a demo and sent it to him, and they fell in love with it and actually wrote a scene to use the song in. Really? Yeah. So you changed the plot of the movie. Apparently, I guess. I don't know. Because you wrote a song that was so bomb. It's awesome. It's actually a great song. I need to watch Fox the Hound 2 now. I've seen the first one. Well, um... Blair, nice to meet you, first of all. You too. And thank you for letting me invade your house and Happy bring a bunch of equipment. I appreciate it. Especially since you described yourself as the get-off-my-lawn guy. That's me. <laughs> I am the get-off-my-lawn guy. Yeah. So uh, you don't strike me as the brag-on-yourself kind of person, but could you please? I'd like to know. <laughs> Great. I'd love to know just you know some of the, the things that you have done, because I think there's a lot. There's a lot, too much. Mm-hmm. I try to block it all out. But, right, right, right. Um, what I was telling you before, um, back in the '90s, just all sorts of CCM stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, Amy Grant Heart and Motion record, which was a big record back, pop record back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Peacock, Michael English, Point of Grace, all those, you know, the back in the heyday of Christian music or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that, just being in Nashville, it it's such a, I mean, it's not small town anymore, but it felt like a small town back then where mm-hmm. everybody knew everybody. So you, you just worked on all sorts of stuff. That's what I like about, about studio work is it's like playing, I think playing in a band, solely playing in a band would be tiresome to me because you'd be playing the same mm-hmm. stuff all the time mm-hmm. or whatever. Did you, sorry, did you do a lot of producing in those pieces? Like not Uh, just playing? A little bit. I, I started to get into that a little bit. I like the production thing from the creative standpoint Mm -hmm. in dealing with the musicians where I didn't do so well was when I was dealing with the artists Mm -hmm. and fragile egos and singing. Sure. And I just was like, I didn't have the patience to, Mm -hmm. you have to have a good, the right demeanor to Mm-hmm. to do that and I did, I just thought I'm not the right guy for doing that so yeah I didn't do it as much as I you know right. I thought about getting into that I don't know but musically I loved that mm-hmm. like wrangling the band together and heading mm-hmm. in a direction and being creative and doing all that so yeah um I mean that's just what I I never got too much into the country world side of things I never was interested in that I do more of that now than I did back then mm-hmm. now country isn't even country music so right. i don't even know what that means right. um in 2004 uh i ended up doing a tour with a guy named peter frampton which is way before your guys time name sounds familiar though he was a big deal back in the 70s okay <laughs> your parents didn't know who he was right, right uh and so we did a tour a summer tour um, playing a bunch of outdoor amphitheaters. It was us and a group called Sticks. Do you guys know who those guys are? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny. And a group <laughs> called Nelson, who okay. was these two brothers who were the sons of Ricky Nelson, which okay. is, he's like in the 60s, big mm-hmm, deal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I did that, and that was fun. That was my one, like, going out on tour 
experience. I was like, okay, I've had enough of that. Let's go back home. Right. But that resulted in me getting to play. I started playing live with some people, but not full on tours like that. Like I mm-hmm. right, went from that to playing with um, Jimmy Seals and Dan, and Dan Seals, who are both. Jimmy Seals was in a group in the seventies um, called Seals and Croft. Okay. Which there was a song called Summer Breeze, which you, I'm sure you've heard the song before, but probably they were a big deal back then. Mm-hmm. And then Dan Seals was England, Dan and John Ford Coley, which they had a ton of hits in the seventies. They're brothers. They wanted to work together. So I ended up getting to play all these hits with those guys, which was huh. awesome for me getting to these songs I grew up on. Yeah. Play with them. Um, and then I also ended up subbing, uh, playing, going out with Michael McDonald, who he was with the Doobie brothers. Mm-hmm. And that, blew my mind getting to play with him. I'm like, I can't believe I'm on the same stage. Yeah. Uh, and that, the, the, um, here's a little interesting story for you. Yeah. That I got called to sub. So I got charts from the guy that mm-hmm. I was subbing for. And yeah. I think I got a board tape and I had met Michael before. So I wasn't, uh, I mean, I knew him and I knew the music peripherally just hearing it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I worked on it <clears throat> and it was mainly playing B3 cause Michael plays piano. Mm-hmm. It was an outdoor gig down in Memphis. So I drove down there to, there's no rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I showed up for sound check. Wow. And we ran one song. And he's like, anything else you want to run? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, only everything. But no, I'm good. That's fine. We'll, you know, I think I had him run one other song with me that was just me and him. Yeah. But so that was like, that might have been the most like scared I've been. Yeah. Doing so, a show with no nothing. Right. So how, I'm curious, how did you get there? And by there, I mean just like big picture. Like how did you start off in the music industry? Because oh. like obviously like once you get going, opportunities just kind of right. happen. They but, start snowballing almost because you meet people. And, yeah. Well, okay. So this is going way back. Yeah. In 19, I, was, went, I went to, I graduated high school in 1983 Went to college for two years. Mm-hmm. But in 83, I think it was my senior year in high school, our band director quit the concert, the, you know, band. Mm-hmm. And so the substitute band teacher, I hit it off great. I found out he was a guitar player. So we'd stay after school and and play. I just played piano, play guitar, and we had a drummer and a bass player. And it was, mm-hmm. I thought, this guy's awesome. I yeah. had never been around somebody that was melodic when they would solo. And, you mm-hmm. know, because at that point, it's like, Whatever. So, yeah, yeah. And he had a studio and started hiring me to come do sessions when I was a senior in high school. Okay. And that's where I started doing sessions and mm-hmm. fell in love with doing that. Mm-hmm. And I worked on this one uh, contemporary Christian band's record out there. And then I started going and playing with them in the summers mm-hmm. when they would do youth camps and stuff. Who was the band? Uh, Diller and Anderson, which is two guys, a duo. Okay. They started out like acoustic duo, but they morphed into more sort of rock stuff. Okay. Um, and when I was playing with them, we actually had programmed drums mm-hmm. and I would program some synth parts and play. And I played bass half the time in that band hmm. and I'm not a bass player. So, right. Well, you can, uh, you can get away with right. it, right? Like it's one note. I don't consider myself a bass player, but I play bass all the time. Right. Right. I own a bass. Right. I own a bass. Yes. So uh, <clears throat> while I was doing that, I wasn't really making any money, so I started working for a company in Portland, Oregon that did sound design for samplers, which that was a new technology, mm-hmm. you know, having samples and keyboards or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a great job for me, and I, I learned a lot <clears throat> about that. 
fast forward to me quitting that band after three years, mm-hmm. turn around and I dropped out of college to do that. And, uh, but I stayed in touch with that guy doing samples for that. Okay. Well, a guy named Charlie Peacock, who was a contemporary Christian artist, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. producer back then, this would have been in 89 at this point, called to order some sounds from this company in Oregon. And they said, oh, we got a guy in Nashville that can show you the whole library of sounds. I loaded up my stuff and went out to a studio called The Castle that's in Franklin here. And mm-hmm. um, I was there about, I set up, like basically I'm a salesman at this point, showing mm-hmm. them sounds. Yeah. Uh, I set up, I was about there about 15 minutes and I pulled up something. He goes, hang on a second. He ran out of the room and went and grabbed a reel of tape and came in and set it on. And I started doing overdubs and I ended up spending the next two weeks out there. Huh. I did go to college during the day and then come out and hang out. Yeah. And do overdubs for a couple weeks. I ended up playing in his band. It was great because I'm not a great self promoter kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it fell in my lap was awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say you kind of just fell into it. Oh yeah, I I'm not good at like, hey, hire me. I'm awesome. You mentioned you said like pretty much most all early '90s Christian contemporary music you had a hand in. I mean. In the yeah, in the mainstream yeah. of it, yeah. Okay. If it wasn't a band, mm-hmm. even some of the band stuff, I would get. I started getting hired when Brown would would work with them. I'd get hired to come in and help get sounds mm-hmm. or contribute whatever. And so, like you said, Amy Grant. Yeah, that was yeah. Rich Mullins. Oh yeah, Rich Mullins. That was I trying to remember who produced that. Oh, a guy named Reed Arvin, who was. I had him as a teacher in college, the producer huh. that he produced all Rich's stuff. Oh dang. Um what about like Stephen Curtis Chapman. Anything for him? Yeah. First time I worked on his record, Brown was producing that. Huh. And then um the first time I met Stephen was before he even had a record deal. He was playing keyboards for a guy named Jeff Moore. Really? And that band out and organized playing with, we uh-huh. opened up for Jeff Moore up in Canada. And Stephen was the keyboard player. Huh. And that's where I met him. <laughs> <laughs> dang. But <clears throat> so yeah. DC, anyway, what yeah, about DC Talk? I worked on one, and I don't even remember which record it was. I got hired to come in. They were having it, and it was a technical thing. Mm-hmm. It was a, they had a sync problem mm-hmm. trying to get, I don't know if it was two tape machines trying to sync up. Okay. Or, or the drum machine. Something was wacky, and I came in and tried to help do something. That's all I remember. I may have worked on something else, but I, that's all I remember. What about Wes King? I worked on his first record. Okay. At least his first record. This is a fun game. I feel like you're trying to stump him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm trying to like see what or like early 90s Christian bands I know slash try to find one that oh, you yeah. haven't worked he, on. Yeah, I worked on his first record, which uh-huh. Gary Chapman and Jerry McPherson produced, which Gary was Amy Grant's husband at the time. Okay. And Jerry was Amy's guitar player. What about Sandy Patty? Yeah, I've worked on stuff for her. Of course you have. Uh, I couldn't tell you what records are mm-hmm. I got to record her once cause she was living up in Indiana and I produced a, it was one of the one, one of the times I produced something. Mm-hmm. It was a multi-artist thing. It was Twyla Paris, Stephen Curtis, mm-hmm. Cindy Morgan, Avalon. I can't remember who else, I, but Sandy. So I had to go record her vocal mm-hmm. and I took an engineer up there with me and I didn't know what to expect cause she's, you know, pretty, classically trained or what you know whatever yeah. you want to call that yeah it was unbelievable i mean it mm. took her like 15 minutes it was blew my mind how great a singer she was dang like she sounded amazing and huh. just killed it there was no it was unbelievable 
Dang. It was really cool. So you spent most of the 90s just jamming out with every Christian artist ever, more or less. Pretty much, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so what came after that? You know, 2000 happens. The year 2000 happens. The world is still here. What does Blair Masters do? Well, that's when, I mean, technology really started changing to where music started going down the crapper. Because <laughs> everybody's working at home, right? Uh, like I am now, I love it. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's just this. That's when it became uh, affordable for for anybody to record stuff. You know, it used mm-hmm. to be it was such a, a, a money hurdle to get over to. Mm-hmm. You know, because you couldn't just go buy a two inch tape machine. Because right, I mean, and the console and all that stuff. Now mm-hmm. you have a laptop. It's like mm-hmm. everybody has the same. That's one interesting thing about today's music world is it's kind of a level playing field with mm-hmm. everybody has access to the same, mm-hmm. which is why there's so much content. Yeah. It's like overwhelming. You yep. have to sift through, uh, you know. Yep. Yep. What's something that was like, maybe looking back on all the stuff that you've done is still kind of like what you feel like was one of the coolest moments of your life in this. Like, I feel like most of this for you, you're like, oh yeah, I knew this guy. I didn't right. work with this. This is cool. Um, Something that even you were like, dang, this is really cool. Well, there's, do you know who Sarah Groves is? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I worked on two of her records that Brown produced, and I couldn't remember, I couldn't tell you when they was, were. But it just was, there was something about the whole process that was uh, magical or whatever. I mean, it was, because mm-hmm. we spent, it was back, back then, you know, you'd spend, um, like we'd spent, at least a week tracking the record, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, you'd get one or two songs a day tracking because mm-hmm. you're focusing on the arrangements and the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like you're doing, if you're not doing three songs or doing a song an hour, you're going too slow the way Which, they track stuff. And, and it just feels like... You sounds know, intense. It It is, but it's also, it's... I don't. I feel like the music is is a lot more. Uh, sound like old guy. Uh, it's just a lot more, you know, cookie cutter, or whatever. At least it's probably true. I mean, yeah, it's especially. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because you've been in the music industry far longer than I have. But I, it feels like there's there's the people that are in the music for the sake of like I just love music and let's let's like create something original. And then there's the industry, which logically so is we have to make money. Right. What sells, what can we do that's fast and efficient. And the downside, the unfortunate reality is as you go farther into how can we make this efficient, you lose some of the creativity of it. Right. Because that's the nature of it. Right. That's pretty much it. So keyboard is kind of your main thing. You dabble with bass and other things. How many instruments do you actually play? I don't really play anything other than I own some really nice guitars, but I can't play a guitar. Sure. They were gifts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did get a bass with the purpose of I wanted to be able to play at church or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've done that a couple times for the kids' ministry when nobody knows any better. Right. Uh, but I just haven't spent time yeah. doing it like I planned. Sure. Because I'll end up getting distracted and doing something else. Right. Just like I don't practice like I would like to on piano, mm-hmm. just because I'm working, and if I'm not working, then I'm 
watching TV or something. Right. Living your Living life. Living my life. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but I've sort of taken up accordion in the last few years a little bit. Mm-hmm. A okay. little bit. Yeah. But that was because it was out of necessity, like a tool, mm-hmm. another tool to be able to, you know. Mm-hmm. But then that's even, that's still related. Yeah. You can get away with doing both, right? Yeah. Like have a hobby. And if it happens to also be productive. Well, yeah. and that's the, that's been sort of a, for me, I've never really had a hobby other than music. So mm-hmm. it's been, my work has been my hobby. So it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. In the last year or two, I've been actually trying to create some stuff on my own that's not, that would be considered more the hobby part of it rather than the work part of it. Okay. Although I'm trying to figure out an outlet for it to make yeah. some money. But Are you much of a songwriter yourself? Uh, not, I'm not a lyric guy at all. I've mm-hmm. written songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Had a song in a Disney movie once. Really? What yeah. Disney movie? Fox and the Hound 2. Really? <laughs> Was it like... Animated... Like an instrumental piano piece? No, no, no. It was a song that I wrote with a guy. Okay. Um, he got, he's a real songwriter. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Disney asked him to write, they sent him like the storyboards mm-hmm. and they needed, I think, two songs for these two particular scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so he was working on those and I work with him all the time. So I helped him do the demos for those. And, and I had this idea for a, a song that was unrelated to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd start writing. He goes, we need to send this to them. This is not what they're asking for. We need to send it to them. So we did a demo and sent it to him and they fell in love with it and actually wrote a scene to use the song in. Really? Yeah. So you changed the plot of the movie. Apparently, I guess. I don't know. Because so you wrote say, a song that was so bomb. It's awesome. It's That's actually really... a great song. I need to watch Fox the Hunt too now. I've seen the first one. It gripped Which my is heart. a lot of people's favorite movie. Yeah. Fox Down 2, I don't know if it did well or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. Is it surreal being in situations like that, like listening to records that you're on or watching movies that like Fox and the Hound 2 and it hit? Like, is there a moment where it's like, that's weird? Speaking yeah, I don't someone think that's... about it too much. I, okay. I don't, I don't think about it too that much something interesting in the, over the last few years you know the movies um there was a movie called um it's the movie about bart millard from marcy me i can like, only imagine wasn't it yeah. called that it was yeah right. so a friend of mine did the score for that okay he'd be a good guy to talk to uh, shout out to your friend we should do paul that. mills um yes. so there's a group of us that basically that in that movie whenever the band's playing that's us i mean i'm huh it's we're the recorded version of what you're hearing okay right and i can only imagine yeah i remember like seeing that seeing the credits and stuff it's just it's weird i don't it's it's a little weird seeing credits roll by or whatever what's Mm -hmm. great is the drummer they got his name wrong i was like and he's a good friend of mine i was like (laughs) i just started howling it was so funny and he's all mad it was great that's amazing Uh, they spelled his name wrong it was awesome and then the movie that came out, I think it was the last year, the year before, uh, the, about the Jer- about Jeremy Camp. Mm-hmm. Is that one also called like I Still Believe? I still believe. I think that I think all of them. There was this vein of naming them after one of their most popular songs. Right. So that same thing in that movie. Same. Okay. Same group of guys. Mm-hmm. We did all the music for that. Um, Dang. And there was one movie. I don't remember what the movie was, uh, and I might not even have known it was a movie. 
but it was a faith-based movie and we record over at my friend Brett's house that I was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. We recorded this song and I went, my wife went to go see this movie. So we're sitting there watching the movie and, and they roll the song at the end of the movie. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. And so I, <laughs> I said, I'm like, I said, I think I played on that. <laughs> and I'm like, we're watching. And then the credits roll by and it, the funniest thing is it said featuring and listed that the four or five of us that played on it. Like huh. it was a big deal. And I'm like, okay. you know. it, it was embarrassing because it was like, it was not something I was proud of. No. <laughs> but it was, re- I was cracking up. It was so funny. That is funny. That was one of the, that was a surreal moment. I'm like, I think I know this. Yeah. But, so what are some other random things that you've happened upon kurt mentioned that you've played at several uh, inaugurations so they had a thing the white house salutes gospel music or something like that and i mm. got um i was in the house band and we set up in the east room of the white house which is a <laughs> where there's a, a lot of times you'll see press conferences and stuff that's where they're having them is in the east room okay so we we're in the white house for three days rehearsing getting set up and doing this thing dang and that was pretty wild. The cool thing about the the thing back when it was uh, George Bush, yeah, uh, was after the event, mm-hmm. we got to go. Everybody got to get their picture taken huh. with him. You file through the. I don't know how much you know about the White House, but there's a. I've been outside of there's it. There's a room <laughs> like, that's, that's all. There's a room that's all like green that was right next to. Is it the green room? It's it's about as big as this room. I mean, it's not very big. It's just furniture like this sitting in there, whatever. So we went on a little looking around and we walked through. And as soon as we walked in that room at the door, a security guy standing there watching us. And then we walked into the next room because it's like there's a hallway and then these rooms are next to each other, but there's doors between the rooms too. So we'd walk into the next room just Mm -hmm. looking because we're Mm -hmm. security guy showed up at the front of that. And then he's like, that's far enough. Oh, and you're like, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So anyway, so they... I just they, play piano. So we, yeah, please don't shoot me. So what, what's what been for you some of the greatest blessings of doing what you do for a living? Because you have a unique job. I mean, even even in Nashville, where this is all more commonplace, I feel like you still have a pretty unique job. Oh, yeah. I think being a keyboard player is, for me, it's pretty great because... I'll get asked to do. I've done. I do some music for a production company, and we've done these like metal, speed metal things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I do. I'll do the drums, huh. like program the drums. Yeah. I'm really good at doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I'll also do string arrangements on stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. So I've done. You asked about Stephen Chris Chapman earlier. I've done a bunch of string arrangements on a bunch of his records over okay. the past. Sorry about that. Uh, that's something I love doing. But yeah. I mean, being a keyboard player, I have... My mom loved, loved Stephen Curtis Chapman. That's oh, how I awesome. grew up. Like, all of his and albums. He's an awesome, yeah. he's an awesome person. So, doing... Being a keyboard player, I get to do a lot of variety of things. Mm-hmm. Not like, I gotta show up and play piano. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's a lot of whatever mm-hmm. i might have to put bass on something i might have to put some percussion on something or yeah do a horn arrangement or you know whatever mm-hmm. uh so that's that didn't that answer your question i didn't yeah. remember the question yeah was. it was just like 
just what has been the greatest blessing of doing this for yeah, a living? Well, just the fact that I can do it for a living is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. I was just talking to a guy today, um, a pedal steel player that I was working with, and I'm like, Did you, who'd have thought yeah. you could, we're making a living doing, because we're basically just screwing around laughing all day, playing music, and yeah. get paid and go home, and yeah. it's awesome. It's pretty unbelievable. I, the scary thing is, if it goes away, I'm it's I might be a little late in life to be switching careers. I don't know, but right. like, yeah, you know, I don't know what I don't know what I would do. I don't know anything else. Yeah, you know, you just work at a golf course or get a fast food job or you right. know, just uh, Walmart greeter. Walmart greeter, you'd be a great Walmart I probably greeter. Would, I could do it, but I feel like I feel like you'd be like really. Like friendly Walmart greeter for the first like fifteen minutes right. of like your shift, and then you're like, I'm just here. They're just here. They're not expecting a smile. <laughs> they just want a hello. Yeah, we'll see. Well, and I guess, and this might actually that might have been the answer to my other question is what's been some of the the harder parts of your job? Because I mean, in one sense, you're probably you're living the dream, right? You're like, if this this is amazing that we get to it's, do this. Yeah, and it's all I've ever wanted to do. So right. it's a little, yeah. But the dream's not necessarily easy and like it has its its struggles yeah the struggle is um working on stuff that you don't like Mm. like it doesn't feel like i'm like you shouldn't be making a record yeah so this this music that you're working on right now this personal stuff. oh yeah yeah tell me tell me about that well, I've taught. I've often on over the years tried to do stuff. Sort of, I say tried. I would just create, write something, and oh yeah, I'll get to that, and then I put it off for ten years. Yep, yep. So um, I've done that a few times. Yeah, <laughs> but I did a, a a guy that was a pastor at my church was doing a podcast, okay. and they asked his daughter was the producer of the podcast, and she asked me if I would try to write a theme for it. Okay. They had this big orchestral. Mm-hmm. I thought it was awesome, but she wanted something hipper. Right, so right, right. she wanted me to do something. So I tried something that I thought was appropriate. Mm-hmm. And I, she's like, no, that's not basically not even close to what I was thinking. <laughs> Here's what I was thinking and sent me this, a reference tune. I'm like, okay, I'll try something. Mm-hmm. And then I blew it off <laughs> longer than I should have, but I finally got around to it. Yeah. But by the time I I did it. She'd already licensed that song that she wanted me to reference anyway. She already just went in and licensed that song. Oh. But it stirred up something in me that I was like, this was kind of awesome. Yeah. And they ended up using my thing for the closing of the podcast. Okay. Um, and that was just like a minute long idea because mm-hmm. it didn't have to be very long. But I was like, I really enjoyed that. And it, yeah. because it was outside of anything else I do and it was, um, I just go exploring through different plugins and stuff and find sounds that mm-hmm. are not necessarily musical in the in a contemporary sense. Right. Or whatever. I it's far more experimental. I guess. Yeah. 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 So uh, so I just started creating these things and I thought this is something I could do. And I and in the meantime I'd been talking to some friends that had been they would just 
do different collaborations and, and put them on Spotify and mm-hmm. have sort of figured out a way to get that to generate some income. Yeah. Um, it's all outside of my right. understanding of how things work. Right. Um, but I thought I'm just going to start creating this and I'll just figure it out as I go. Mm-hmm. So I have about, I have seven that are pretty much done mm-hmm. just yesterday was it yesterday or the day before uh, an eighth one I almost have done now are they instrumental pieces yeah okay. so it's kind of um I guess you could put it in the ambient category but it's not like spa music like harps mm-hmm. and yeah oh yeah no I know what you're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got groove to it's almost like industrial ambient yeah type i guess if you want to call it that i'm that sounds fast i want i want to listen to that it's pretty cool i'll play some so it um but i'm trying to you know everybody's trying to be unique somehow Mm -hmm. so because i've done a lot of string arranging and all that kind of stuff more from the orchestral side of things Mm -hmm. i'm trying to incorporate some of that stuff in it rather than it just being like electronic right well if you ever want a collaborator (laughs) that would be fun well i guess we're about out of time, but... I have so much more to say. Right. Part two. I mean, honestly, I feel like you've, there's probably a lot of crazy stories that you have tucked away somewhere. They're all, yeah, but, yeah. you know. But, um, you know, we'll save them for part two. Part you know? two. Yeah. No, but uh, thank you again for talking and letting oh, us yeah. bring a bunch of stuff into your house. house. Right. Exactly. I'm going to shut the fire off now. All right. I'm cooking. Mm. Goodbye, yeah, fire. It's, it's a bit warm. Uh, but... Uh, any last words that you'd like to say? I don't know. I'm just, I'm very thankful to have been able to make a living doing music. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a weird thing. When I, cause a lot of my friends are, or a lot of our, our mutual friends of my wife and I mm-hmm. are at church and you know, they're like, what? My mom even now, what do you do again? <laughs> right. Like, right. I can't explain it anymore to, yeah. you know, uh, it's just I'm just thankful to be able to to do it. It's it's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a blessing for me. Even it feels surreal just being able to even in just like the year that I've been doing it. And honestly, the only like couple months that I've been doing it without needing a different job. Yeah, isn't that um, weird? You're like it's weird. And there's there's so many people in Nashville that make a living. I'm like I don't know how I don't know what those people are doing, but mm-hmm. there's tons of people. Mm-hmm. that make a living and it's but you think about it there's music everywhere mm-hmm. on every i just found out yesterday i have to look on my phone uh this actually could be good information yeah if i can continue on. oh please so i mean yeah this is the most exciting part of my whole thing right now yeah is i work with this company that we do a lot of production music library music and stuff okay um What's fun about that is there are no artists involved. <laughs> so it's, and stylistically, it's all over the map. Mm-hmm. The I'll play just the variety of stuff. Like we'll do, that's the company I would do some of that metal stuff for. Mm-hmm. We'll do, we'll do some funk stuff. We've done some country stuff. We'll do, I do some real intimate like piano and string quartet stuff. Mm-hmm. So creatively, it's awesome. Yeah. Cause I just like, I'm not just, staying in one lane the whole time and having to, Mm -hmm. so it's really broadened my, that's what's helped with my instrumental stuff too, because Mm -hmm. I've just acquired all these different um, influences of, of, 
because that's when I listen to music, it's usually reference material for doing that stuff. Yeah. So I've been exposed to a lot more music than I normally would because, like, in my car, I listen to the classic rock station, mm-hmm. which plays the same music over and over. Right. But I love it. Right. Um, so that's where a lot of my focus right now is doing that stuff with those guys. Mm-hmm. And we've been friends for 30 years and uh, we just laugh the whole time and create. Yeah. And it's, but we have a piece. That was the point of my story. Yesterday I found out there's a, they used something we did for, it's some national commercial. I don't even, I can't remember what it is. Like for Hall's menthol huh. something. I don't know. I'll have nice. to look it up. Wow. I can't remember what it is. That's fun. So I'm interested to see how well that will pay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. That's the important part. That's the whole thing, right? Like, can this actually work to support me? Right. Yeah. Well, and it, I've seen my, my royalties go up over, because we've been doing it for several years, five, six, seven, eight years now, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. So I've seen my royalties. St- it's different than being a songwriter, getting a big hit. Because mm-hmm. that's like a chunk of money. Right. And then it's gone. Yeah. Unless it's a... Forever. Know, like, yeah, yeah. Which that's didn't happen that often but yeah but this is more of a my friend equates it to putting another nickel in the slot machine you know mm-hmm. so i've done hundreds if not thousands of pieces of music composed for that huh um and so it all it just builds over time and hopefully yeah. it's used i have one more question yes I, I don't care that we're i'm going off the i'm curious off script right i don't even have a script but if i did i'm going off of it <laughs> Um, do you ever feel like you hit creative roadblock? Like doing that much creative work, do you ever feel like you're just like, I don't have any ideas anymore? There are times probably. Yeah. You, uh, that's an interesting question. When I run out of ideas, sometimes is when I'm on a tracking session, when it's the same old, whatever country music is now or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's when I run out of, when you have to come up with ideas just to make it not sound like everything else. When I'm like, mm-hmm. write a song that doesn't sound like everything else. Like when you have used a genre as your starting point to make a song and it feels like, okay, this is the recipe we're working with. It's hard to be creative in that. Yeah. But with, with this, um, the library music stuff, it does that doesn't happen as often when that does happen like i did a package of they do them in albums so mm-hmm. it's usually 10 pieces of music and they're usually two and a half minutes long okay yeah. so a lot of times we there's a core group of us that will cut as a band and that's one of their things about this company is it's a lot of live musicians mm-hmm. as opposed to most of that library music is a guy like me programming everything and there it is mm-hmm. so what's that's the, their what's the company it's called um uh, they just changed their name. No, bigger story music is what it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll play some stuff. Yeah. So, I did a whole package of Indian raga music, right? Huh? Which is a specific genre of Indian music. Yeah. And it's an improvisational form of music. Uh huh. And it's what I just said, where it's like me all by myself doing it. Which, right. but what it is is they have you get a drone going. It's mm-hmm. like right one note. Yep, yep. And then sitar guy improvising over top of it, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the tabla guy will come in and play. And 
Mm-hmm. And but if you go listen to it, the, the piece might be an hour long, <laughs> and that drone is going for an hour. Yeah, right. Yep. So I'm supposed to do two and a half minutes thinking I have to do ten pieces of that. Mm. That's when I started hitting a wall. I'm like, yeah, yep. I don't know. Uh, first of all, am I like offending the entire continent, right? Country <laughs> of India, right? Um, my family's Indian though. You haven't met my family, but right. Um, so I have a, I can play that card. You have a pass. My wife's from India. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that, that's the, that's the times when I might run into a thing when it's something like that, that's mm-hmm. so far outside of my, but I don't usually, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but. Huh. Nice. Well, I respect that. Sometimes. It well, and I'm excited to hear more of the yeah, more of your stuff. It's, I'll play you some stuff. So we, we should probably stop talking so we can do that. Well, thank you for everything. Thank you for coming on and talking, yeah, hearing your stories. Me. This was fun. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'll see you next episode. Awesome.